ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Chris Canty and Shay Cornette rocking with you here. You want to join the conversation, feel free. Give us a call on the Canty call online. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Talking a lot of football. So which team do you think is the biggest threat in the NFC to threaten those Rams as they try to defend their Super Bowl champion trophy next season? So speaking of, before we dive into it, Two days. How many days ago now was the parade? Was it yesterday? Was it the day before? I'm so It was confused. yesterday. It, it was, was yesterday. yesterday. It seems okay. like it all blurs together, though, it's doesn't it, happens. though? Yeah, I mean, it's just, blurs. man, it's a matter of 48, 72 hours. It's just like <laughs> they win the Super Bowl. There's all the post-game interviews and all the speculation about the future with Sean McVay and Aaron Donald. There's so much going on. OBJ tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl. Like, a lot has happened since Sunday night, and now we're just trying to wrap our brains around all of it. And we're having trouble keeping track of the days in the process. Yeah, exactly. And deciphering what goes where. And so let's talk about what happened at the parade yesterday. Well, Les Snead showed up um, giving zero you fill in the blanks and wearing a (laughs) T-shirt that was just so great. And you know what? He'll explain it to you. Take a listen to Les Snead, the L.A. Rams GM. Hey, here's what I know. The late John Madden said that winning the Super Bowl was the highest of high. So you know what? Our players... Our coaches, Stan, his family, every one of us in the organization who support him on that mission, and everyone out there, you know what? We know what that highest high feels like today. So in honor of the shirt, F them picks. We'll use them to go win more Super Bowls. <laughs> I love it. I How love could it you so not good. love that? It's so good. F them picks. <laughs> wow, less neat. You know what, though? Shay, I got to say this. I was one of those voices that was critical of the Rams mortgaging the future the way that they did. This franchise has not made a first-round pick since 2016, and that was Jared Goff, a guy that they then used in a trade last offseason – to move for Matt Stafford, as well as two future first-round picks, 2022 and 2023, and it ends up resulting in a Super Bowl. So I feel like he's validated in terms of his his roster building, his model, his, his football philosophy, being able to trade draft capital for proven commodities in the NFL. Les Need has proven that this is a way that works. It's not just build through the draft anymore. It's appropriately valuing draft picks, and when you get an opportunity – to make a run at a veteran player that can be a force multiplier like a Matt Stafford or like a Jalen Ramsey, you absolutely do it. Or, for instance, a Von Miller, who they used a second-round pick on at the trade deadline this year. When you have an opportunity to do it, you have to take full advantage of it, and you see the results of it. So I would anticipate a lot of teams around the National Football League that feel like they're a player or a quarterback away Taking it, uh, taking this model to heart and trying to execute this game plan because it worked for the Rams. Hey, we know the NFL is a copycat leave, but part of building that super team had to do with the fact that Aaron Donald was already on the defensive side of the ball. Hello. Hello. Of course, leading up to the Super Bowl, within hours, honestly, before kickoff, we learned that Aaron Donald could retire if the Rams had won the Super Bowl. Now, we wouldn't be having this conversation if the Cincinnati Bengals win, apparently, but here we are. And so then, of course, everyone has a little bit to drink and starts chatting and gets in front of a microphone. And so Sean McVay, you know, tries to nudge Aaron Donald on what's going to happen post-parade, and so here these two are on what's going to happen next season. Sean McVay just tapped me on the shoulder. He wanted to know if you were interested 
and running it back. Run it back! 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 Give it up for Aaron Donald! What a stud! Everything! We, we, we built the super team. We can bring the super team back. Why not run it back? We could be world champions. Yeah! <laughs> the enthusiasm just makes me so happy for them. But do you believe Aaron Donald when he says he's coming back to run it back? I don't know if I'm buying into it, Shay. And just the optics of him playing with his kids, his daughter, in the confetti after they won, it seemed like somebody that was content in what they have done. Now, it could just be the post-Super Bowl glow after you win it. But I think this is a serious thing that's out there, and he's trying to weigh whether or not it makes sense for him to come back and play another season because if he were to come back, it's not going to be about the money. Aaron Donald has made a ton of money since he's been in the National Football League. It's not going to really be about his legacy. He's already one of the top three defensive players that have ever lived in my book, along with Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor. So, I mean, why would he be coming back? I I mean, I guess – the thrill of competition and having an opportunity to add another ring to the trophy case. But I just, I don't know. I, 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 I think there is some merit to the reports that Aaron Donald is weighing retirement. I really do. Now, here's the thing. If Aaron Donald does shut it down, then there's no way that the Rams are 10-1 to 1 in terms of winning the Super Bowl no. next season. There's no, no chance way. that the odds stay that high because you're talking about Aaron Donald being the single best defensive player in the National Football League. And, Shay, I'm not too sure that he's not the best player in the NFL. Okay, period. see, now you got some nerve to sit there and say, why would he come back? Because you know what this is. It's like the competitive force that drives you. If you've been one of the best defensive players since the minute you came into the league, you've won the chip and now you're just like, bye, see ya. You still have that competitive fire. Like, it doesn't just go away, especially if you're still at the top of your A game. No, you're right, but, I mean, it's hard to eat when you're full. And this was the last thing that Aaron Donald had that he needed to eat on his plate, and he got that done. So he's made all of the money. He's got the financial security. He's got the chip. He's got seven, count them, seven first-team all-pro nods. He's got, what, three Defensive Player of the Year awards? Yeah. At this point, point, what is there left to add to the resume? Like, I get it. Because you're so great at something, it's hard to walk away from it. Anytime somebody's really, really good at something, they want to do it all the time. I get it. But we're not talking about playing basketball. We're not talking about playing baseball. This is football. It's hard. He plays defensive tackle and gets double teamed damn near every play. I can understand a man at the age of 30 years old wanting to walk away from it, having nothing else to prove, having accomplished pretty much everything that there is to accomplish in the game. That's all I'm saying, Shay. I'm not trying to get too far into Aaron Donald's mind. He's his own man. He can do whatever he wants to do. But I do think there's some merit to the report that he's mulling over whether or not he should retire. And as my former coach Bill Parcells used to always say, if you're thinking about retirement, you are retired. Also, speak for yourself. I still eat when I'm full, which is a really big problem. <laughs> um, okay, but now the question is, since we're post-Super Bowl, right, we've, we're post all these comments, is there a team out there in the NFC, because I think we'd both agree, Canty, that the AFC is more loaded at this point than the NFC, and so which team next year could give the Rams a run for their money in the postseason, assuming that they do bring back Aaron Donald and they still have similar odds to make it where they were? Say, I know a lot of people start with the quarterback, but I'm going to start with the head coach, and I'm looking at the landscape of the NFC and looking at the coaches that I trust the most. And right up there at the top of the list has to be Kyle Shanahan. And I get it, they're in the same division as the Rams, 
but they've beaten the Rams six of the last seven times they've played. The last time we were talking about the Rams besting Kyle Shanahan was in the NFC Championship game, and let's face it, the San Francisco 49ers were a Kwesky Tart pick away from being able to win that game. If if Kwesky Tart catches that cookie that Matt Stafford throws at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the complexion of that game is completely different, and you're probably talking about the, the, the 49ers being able to ice it away. So I look at this, and even though Jimmy Garoppolo is probably not going to be the quarterback and that they're going to be rolling with a first-year starter in Trey Lance, I actually feel good about what that brings to the 49ers offense because Kyle Shanahan's philosophy is a run-first mentality, and Trey Lance has that element to be able to have a quarterback as a focal point in the run game. It gives you a lot more options, and then you consider Debo Samuel and what he does for that run game as well as Elijah Mitchell, and you're starting to think about a, a run game that becomes really hard to defend, reminiscent of what we've seen with the Baltimore Ravens, but now you've got a lot of other threats that could be a part of that. So to me, they have the formula, they have the offense, they have the defense to contend with the L.A. Rams. That's a top five. I mean, they have a top five defense and a top ten offense. They have all the makings of a team that can dethrone the L.A. Rams. Well, you're over there talking about they were a tart interception away from you know advancing in the postseason. I don't know. The Cowboys were like 17 seconds away from advancing in the postseason had they got that spike off fast enough. And so give me the Cowboys. I am going to lead with the quarterback in terms of Dak Prescott and the consistency that they have there. I would assume that Mike McCarthy gets some help in terms of clock management and managing the game in late situations because, let's be honest, that was the majority of his fault because we saw it too many times. And so I'm going to take the, the Dallas Cowboys to go up against the Rams next season. They were one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL last season. In fact, they ranked much higher than your San Francisco 49ers, who were ranked 13th. The Dallas Cowboys at the very top. They were the best in terms of turnover differential in the league. San Francisco at 22, but they were at the very top. And so I'll take the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> who hopefully will find a way to win in the postseason and move to what their potential is and should have been this year next season. All right, we got a lot more to come here with Chris Canty and Shea Cornett on ESPN Radio. Let's go to the NBA next. Should the Lakers look to trade Anthony Davis after this season? Can't seem to be healthy. This Lakers roster isn't what they thought it would be. What do they do moving forward? We'll talk about it next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty here with you at ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We've been talking a lot about the NFL, but it's time to switch gears here, Chris, now and talk a little bit more about what is going on in the NBA. Last night, the Lakers found a way to squeak it out and win it, but uh, not without some drama. And an injury to Anthony Davis. The <sighs> Knicks also lost in completely embarrassing fashion to the Nets. Um, and we'll get into that too. But let's start here with the Lakers. So the Lakers now have an issue because on top of already being injured a few times this season, yet again, here we go with Anthony Davis. He goes down, looks to kind of twist the ankle. It was initially called an ankle sprain out around two weeks. He's getting another MRI today. And I thought, Canty, you put it well last hour and saying like, man, that looks like a more than two-week situation. But... We will find out definitively, hopefully, here in the next day or two. But nonetheless, in terms of what the Lakers should do going forward, because at this point, they're a play-in tournament kind of team. They have real no sustainability because Anthony Davis continues to get hurt. You've got issues with Russell Westbrook. Yes, LeBron is playing at an unbelievable level, but can he basically carry the torch for this team into the postseason? What do you do with this Lakers squad? 
Well, no, LeBron James can't carry this team into the postseason. And even if they get in as a seven or eight seed with through the play-in tournament, you're talking about them going up against the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors, maybe the Memphis Grizzlies. Either way, it's going to be an early exit for the Lakers. So, no, I don't think LeBron James, as great as he played last night, is A, capable of sustaining that level of play for the remainder of the regular season, and then B, elevating the talent around him in order to get this team to be able to go on some deep playoff run. It ain't going to happen. As a Lakers fan, it hurts my heart to say it, but I'm a realist. I got to be objective about this situation, and it sucks that Anthony Davis can't be more reliable, more dependable. And I get it. Last night's injury seemed like somewhat of a fluke. They lobbed the ball into him in the post, and he comes down with it and lands on Rudy Gobert's ankle or foot, and he twists his ankle. And that injury seems like that's going to keep him out for an extended period of time. So I don't know that you can bet around building a team around Anthony Davis. I just don't see that happening with the player that has proven himself to be unavailable at so many different points throughout his tenure with the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think that creates some serious questions uh, about roster building that uh, the Lakers are going to have to answer. Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss are going to have to figure out what's the best direction for the franchise long-term, and it could lead to them having to make some tough decisions this coming summer. So Anthony Davis, eighth time in 10 seasons, he's failed to appear in 70 games due to injury. He missed 17 consecutive games earlier this year, just over a month due to injury. Missed 30 consecutive games last season. That would be just over two months. And then in 2019, he missed nine consecutive games, which amounts to about two weeks, give or take. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today progressive.com um okay and so all this to say about anthony davis and what they should do going forward now again the lakers did win last night against the jazz but earlier this week Stephen a smith it sure didn't feel like a win though shay i gotta no, put that out course, there it did not, not feel like a win not even a little bit um the jazz basically gave it away too but nonetheless earlier this week prior to even last night Stephen a smith was on a show called Stephen a's world i wonder who stars in that and had this to say in terms of what the lakers need to do with anthony davis Day one of the offseason, Rob Palenka needs to be on the phone shopping his big man just to see how much Anthony Davis is worth. Because what other asset do the Lakers have to help them retool for what we all know is coming? That would be life after LeBron James. Russell Westbrook with $47 million left on his deal for next season? Hell no. Draft picks? The Lakers don't even have a pick until the year 2023. That would be next year. The only asset they do have is Anthony Davis. And so the only asset it seems like the Lakers have is Anthony Davis. And so he agrees with you that he should be shopping him the minute the offseason comes, which, again, could be sooner rather than Laker. Then, let's see what I did there. Sooner rather than later what you did. for the Lakers. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's a Freudian slip. But, Shay, I, I'm with Stephen A. And two months ago, I would have said he was out of his mind. But. I'm absolutely with him. The guy hasn't proven himself to be able to stay healthy, and this was supposed to be the cornerstone that you built around as LeBron James entered the twilight of his career, and he got closer and closer to retirement. And Anthony Davis hasn't proven that he's going to be available for this team. So I think you shop him. You see what you can get for him. I got to imagine that there's going to be some type of market for him, although it's not going to come close to the package that you gave up in order to get him from the New Orleans Pelicans. You're probably talking about a couple of first-round draft picks and maybe a player, 
in that deal, I, I would settle for that. At least you have some pieces to build with moving forward. And then as far as Russell Westbrook is concerned, he's got one year at $47 million remaining on that contract. I'd go ahead and waive Russell Westbrook and use the stretch provision, clear up some, try to, try to create some space and, and bring over some young players that you can get on relatively affordable deals and, and see what happens with, with a young group of players around LeBron James. I'm pretty sure that LeBron is not going to like it. Neither is Clutch Sports. But that's the state of affairs when it comes to the Lakers because as constituted, they're not capable of competing at a championship level. I'm not hating. I'm just calling it what it is. Yeah, and you're right. They have a little bit of a break if, coming out of the All-Star break um, with some winnable games where maybe they can find some footing and get some consistency, and that is what you would hope, obviously, for the Lakers. You know, despite struggling this season, the Lakers are a hot ticket. It feels like every team in L.A. is, but nonetheless, Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. I can't believe we're doing this next, but we are doing it, Canty. We're going to talk about my Chicago Bulls. By the way, they lead the Eastern Conference and nobody's talking about them because we're too busy talking about how bad the Knicks are and what the deal is with the Nets and the 76ers. But we're going to do it next on this show because it's Chris Canty and Shay Cornette, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And ESPN Radio has you covered for all the NBA All-Star festivities. Tune in Friday at 9 p.m. for the Clorox Rising Stars Challenge. Uh, sorry, Rising Stars Game, rather. Coverage of the State Farm All-Star Saturday night begins at 8 p.m. And tune in Sunday for the 2022 NBA All-Star Game live from Cleveland, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Speaking of the NBA, us hitting the midway point in the season, it's time to play a little game of contender or pretender. Shannon, our producer, what say you? Ah, oh, you hear that? Beautiful music. It just gives you, ooh, gives you the chills. All right, <laughs> let's do a little NBA contender or pretender. We'll start here with the layup. Chicago Bulls currently sitting at 38 and 21. Shay, are your Bulls a contender or a pretender? Oh, please. They are a contender. <laughs> the Bulls have been sitting right atop the East for most of the season, just chilling, let everyone go about their business and not really being talked about much. They're heading into the All-Star break with a five-game winning streak. You've got some good injury news with Caruso hopefully coming back soon. Ball might be back in the mix. Levine feeling good. This is all good things. And then think about what DeMar DeRozan has been doing, basically by himself. Seven straight 35-point or more games, shooting over 50%. I don't know. There's some guy named Wilt Chamberlain who did something similar to that. DeMar DeRozan is in his bag in Chicago. Give me the Bulls all day long as contenders. And don't you dare disagree with me, Chris Canty. Yeah, that all sounds good, Shay. <laughs> but let me tell you what I ain't going to do is fancy the Chicago Bulls as a contender. They're a pretender. And the reason why is when you look at what they are as a team, when you look at the roster top to bottom, the guys that are in the rotation – I don't have a lot of confidence once it gets to playoff time when they're facing off against teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, when they're facing off against teams like the Philadelphia 76ers with James Harden. Hell, even teams like the Boston Celtics who have won nine straight. I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to contend with those teams that have that top-tier talent, that have that superstar caliber guy that's buoying them because we know playoff-style basketball is different than regular season basketball. If you don't believe me, all you got to do is ask the New York Knicks from last year who got 
bounced in the first round when they had home court advantage against the Atlanta Hawks. It's a different story once we get to the playoffs. And although I am buying into DeMar DeRozan as a legitimate MVP candidate, we know that DeMar DeRozan is not on that same level as guys like Joel Embiid, guys like James Harden, guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hell, I don't even know if the Chicago Bulls are going to be able to contend with a team like the Miami Heat. So, Shay, I got to call them pretenders. They're not contenders. And the Knicks were good in the second half of last season. The Bulls have been doing this all year long. But it's fine. Shannon, clip this and save it for later, okay? Clip it and save it. All right, we got you. We got you, Shay. All right, moving on to one of the best stories of the NBA this season, the Memphis Grizzlies, currently sitting at 41-19. Chris, are the Memphis Grizzlies contenders or pretenders? I'm going to say they're contenders, and you know the great thing about youth, Shannon? You don't know what you don't know. And quite frankly, the Memphis Grizzlies don't realize that they have no business being this good with this many young players. With 3J and with... Desmond Bain, and of course, John Morant, who on any given night is the best player on the court. The guy just dropped 44 points last night against the Portland Trailblazers. Granted, it was in a loss, but this team is the third in the Western Conference for a reason. We all know that the West is the tougher of the two conferences. And this Memphis Grizzlies team, they they want all the smoke. In John Morant's words, he says, we're climbing up the chimney because we want all the smoke. This is a team that is absolutely fearless. They do it on both ends of the court. They're well-coached. And they're going to be a tough out once we get to the postseason. So, yeah, I'm going to say the Memphis Grizzlies are contenders. I'll I'll ride with that, too. I also think they're contenders. You know, this is the NBA version of the Cincinnati Bengals, kind of. Like, they have come on, and John Morant is kind of that Joe Burrow kind of dude. And, again, with what you don't know, what you don't know. Like, they don't care. The worst person to fight in the bar is the one with nothing to lose. And that's kind of (laughs) what this mentality is in 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 terms of the Memphis Grizzlies, and and they're one of only three teams with over 40 wins in the NBA. All three, by the way, are in the Western Conference, so I agree with you. It's the better of the two leagues. But nonetheless, I I love this mentality from the Memphis Grizzlies, and it's totally a jaw mentality. I saw probably this was about a month ago now – Ja went up, they were playing the Warriors, and Ja went up to some kids that were in Warriors jerseys. He was like, oh, no, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm not signing your jerseys. You're in Warrior jerseys. If you're going to come to Memphis, you better be in Memphis clothes, or we're not going to talk to y'all. Like, this is the mentality that they have, that they are here to stay, and there's some real ones. I think that they're contenders. All right, let's look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, currently sitting at 35-23. and 23. they got a couple of all-stars this season. So, Shay, Cleveland Cavaliers, contenders or pretenders. See, I like this Cleveland Cavaliers team, and I hate that I'm now at the point where I'm saying everyone's a contender, but whatever. I'm going to ride with it because I know that live and die by the three-point shooting. I get it. But what creates stability in the NBA? Consistency from inside the arc. Cleveland, seventh in two-point field goals and third in opponent two-point field goal percentage in terms of the way they defend as well. I think this Cleveland Cavaliers team is playing really well in the paint. They can defend. Jared Allen is having in a career year since he's come over to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're remarkably consistent with the upside. They entered the season with the seventh youngest roster in the NBA, in the NBA. and so maybe there'd be like some inconsistency and some learning curves, but they have figured out a way to forego all of that. They had one bad losing streak longer than two games since Thanksgiving, and even that was only a three-game losing skid. To me, there's room for growth, of course, in, in terms of what Karis LeVert can do and when, since he's joined the team, but I like this Cleveland Cavaliers team, and I think they got a shot in the postseason I think they're contenders absolutely Shay I I would say this I didn't think that the Cleveland would be able to do this with Colin Sexton not being on the court for them but Darius Garland has stepped up in a big way this season for him and then let's not forget 
Evan Mobley, the rookie, and Jared Allen, those two guys. I mean, Twin Towers on the inside, really just dominating the paint. So, yeah, I, I, I think that this Cleveland Cavaliers team is formidable, but I'm not going to go as far as to say that they're actually contenders. So I'm going to say pretenders, but I like what Kobe Altman, their general manager, is building in Cleveland. They got something special with that young group of guys. This is pretender or contender. Shay Cornette, Chris Canning on ESPN Radio. Shannon, what we got? All right, let's move on to the Dallas Mavericks. Chris, the Mavericks currently sitting at 34 and 24. Chris, are the Dallas Mavericks contenders or are they pretenders? Man, get out of here, man. They're, they're, they're pretenders. <laughs> they're pretenders. And as much respect as I have for Luka Doncic, I just don't think he has enough pieces around him. And you saw that the Dallas Mavs punted on the Kristaps Porzingis experiment. They realized that wasn't necessarily going to work itself out. I just don't see the supporting cast in place in order to support Luka Doncic being able to make any kind of serious postseason run. Yeah, they have the potential to win a first-round playoff series, but that's about it. Once they get to the semis, they're going to get bounced. I, I, I just, I, It's unfortunate for Luka, but they still have to find that secondary option within their offense, and I think that they're going to be searching for that this summer. That's going to be one of the priorities for this franchise. But they're a, they're a pretender. They're not a contender. Yeah, I, I agree here. This is my first pretender of the group. I just don't believe in the Dallas Mavericks. They're not very exciting to watch, in my opinion, either. And I thought when they shipped out Chris Porzingis, my initial reaction was, oh, Luka don't want him. He wants to play all by himself. He doesn't need Chris Epps along by his side. And maybe that could be true. But to me, this Mavericks team is so hot and cold. Um, as of late, they've played well, obviously, as they head into all-star break. Mm-hmm. But I just don't believe them going far in the postseason. Yeah. All right, quickly, we got one more team in the Eastern Conference. Shea, the Boston Celtics, currently sitting at 34-26. and 26. Are the Celtics NBA contenders or are they NBA pretenders? Now, we say this a lot in the NFL, but I hope they're not, quote-unquote, peaking too early. Now, they're coming off a loss to the Pistons, which is yep. embarrassing, but... I don't think everyone was fully going in that game. So uh, they've had a really good win streak here in the last month or so. I like this Boston Celtics team. And when you've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing at the highest level and playing together and working together, this is a really good squad. I just, again, I hope they didn't peak at the wrong time. But I'm going to say contender. And I feel like I've said contender about this Boston Celtics team year in and year out. Maybe this is the year they finally get over the hump. But give me contender in terms of the Boston Celtics. Yeah, Shay, they just had a nine-game winning streak snap. But I will say this. The night before, they bounced the team that's fifth in the Eastern Conference, 135-87. to And that game wasn't competitive at halftime. Like, that's, that's how badly they beat the Philadelphia 76ers. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think that this Boston team, with the top-end talent that they have with Jalen Brown and, and with Jason Tatum, can compete with anybody. So I'm going to say contender. I don't necessarily see them in the NBA Finals, but who knows with their new coach being able to establish some chemistry with their two superstars, maybe they find the right combination to be able to put it all together in the, in the remainder of the regular season and get themselves ready to go on a postseason push. So I can't rule Boston out as a contender when they got those two guys on the court for them. I think we only disagreed on like two. Could it be the Bulls we disagreed on? The Bulls on the Bulls and, and the and Cleveland the Cavaliers. Yeah, yeah we disagreed well, on those. Yeah, I don't know how you can see the Cavs as a real right, contender. I, right, I just don't up. see that. I don't I don't know. 
Speaking know. of the NBA, it. how about can we agree on the GOAT? Do we both agree the greatest basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan? Can you ride yeah. with me on that? Yeah, I'm with right, you on cool. that one. I'm Happy birthday on to MJ. We'll talk more about him and the biggest impact he's had on and off the court, and we'll do it next in 3 and Out. You're listening to Chris Canty and Shea Cornette on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Cornette and Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We got to give a shout-out to the guests that came through on today's show. We had Los Angeles Rams linebacker and now world champion Ernest Jones recapping what his ride has been like as a rookie this championship season. Also, Yahoo senior NBA writer Vincent Goodwill getting us straight with everything around the association ahead of All-Star Weekend. Also, ESPN Sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan trying to dabble in the futures market in the NFL as well as the MVP and title odds in the NBA and our very own Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL insider, trying to speculate on where we think Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the quarterbacks on the carousel will land in 2022. If you missed any of it, go to the podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. But Shay. We have now reached the portion of our show where it's time for us to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. And Shay, today on three and out, we got to start with Major League Baseball. I'm surprised that we got to go here, but we do have to talk about it because it's utterly ridiculous. There's little progress toward a new CBA in the latest bargaining session between the MLB and the MLBPA. A bargaining session between Major League Baseball and the Players Union lasted just 15 minutes today and produced little progress toward new collective bargaining agreement. Sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. Shay, at this point, I feel like we've done more talking about the collective bargaining agreement than the players and the owners in Major League Baseball. It's absolutely ridiculous that these two sides refuse to stay in the room for any substantive period of time to work out the issues facing the sport with their next collective bargaining agreement. This is so childish. And I said this yesterday. Sometimes we say sports mirrors reality and mirrors real life, and that feels like what's happening right now between these two sides in Major League Baseball. It's kind of like what's going on in our world where two sides can't come together and speak to one another. They have to just go about what they believe in their own business, and I hate that for our world, and I hate that for Major League Baseball because I don't want to see summer come, and we don't have baseball. We need baseball. And I I laugh because Chris Bassett, who's a pitcher for the Oakland A's, tweeted this, and Christine Lisi, who does our updates here on ESPN Radio or SportsCenter Updates said this yesterday. He tweeted, okay, it's time. Every man has got to leave. Send in the women. This gets done by 9 p.m. <laughs> it's so true. Like, call us. Let us go in and figure this thing out. If grown men can't get together and communicate, throw some women in the mix. This is what we mean. mean. We need more diversity in Major League Sports. This would help if we just had some women in the room to make people come to themselves, their senses and have a little bit more communication. Ridiculous. No doubt about it. Christine Lisi and Shay Cornette, you guys are absolutely right when it comes to the MLB trying to get something figured out, getting a new CBA hammered out, because the reality is they can't afford to miss a substantial portion of the season because they'll continue to lose share when it comes to their place among the sports that this country cares about. If they learned anything from the strike seasons from back in the day or the work stoppages from back in the day, 
realize that you don't want to fall behind NFL and the NBA any more than you already have. I'm just saying you guys have got to figure something out. I know that the Major League Baseball owners use the competitive balance tax as a luxury uh, or a luxury tax. They use it as a salary cap. I get the players are upset with that. The two sides have got to be able to find some middle ground and be able to work this thing out if we're going to have baseball this summer. But keeping it pushing, Shay, you mentioned it going into the break. We got to celebrate the GOAT. I'm talking about Michael Jordan, his 59th birthday today, the best to ever do it. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's him and LeBron James in the room and nobody else, but LeBron James has got to be satisfied knowing that he's looking up at Michael Jordan. There's just not, nobody like him. You're talking about the guy that's won the scoring title 10 times in his career and had eight seasons where he averaged over 30 points a game. Shea, in his third year, the man averaged 37.1 points per game. Absolutely ridiculous what Michael Jordan was able to do on a basketball court. Six championships, never let an NBA Finals Series get to a Game 7. The man took care of his business, and we got to honor him. We got to respect him. Michael Jordan, the best to ever do it with a basketball. The absolute GOAT. Six times final MVP. In in addition to the accolades you laid out, 14-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, 10-time first-team All-NBA. I mean, I could keep going. I've got the whole list in front of me. And there's been, you know, talk about, does has he made more of an impact off the court or on the court? Please. I am from Chicago. He made his biggest impact on the court. I will forever remember my childhood being able to go see him in person. Him, Rodman, Pippen, it was like the best thing in the world being able to witness that in real time in real life forever mj the goat happy birthday michael jordan although him turning 59 does make me feel old <laughs> i don't know it, does it, it make it, you feel old <laughs> yeah, just feel old? Just, just a little bit but i will say this about michael jordan like just unbelievable what he was able to do and then parlaying his success on the court into ownership i mean you're talking about him being the second minority owner in the nba's history and in professional sports in this country, really, really impressive what Michael Jordan has been able now to do. Brand good. Jordan. I'm just saying, it's just yeah. he's on a whole nother level. He really All right, is. Here we go. Rounding out three and out. The Tennessee Titans are in talks with the Nashville Convention and Visitors Bureau about building a new stadium. Now, initially, the, the conversation was about a renovation of Nissan Stadium, but now it could be a complete overhaul. The plans were accounting for around a $600 million renovation, but now it could be a situation where Tennessee gets a brand-new stadium. So, Shay, your thoughts on the Tennessee community buying in to the Tennessee Titans and getting them a new digs? Great. I mean, they're already in a fantastic spot. They're right off the strip there right off Broadway in Nashville. If they want new digs, more power to them. There's so much to do in Tennessee. Go see a new stadium. There we go. All right, coming up next, Spain and Fitz got you covered. This has been Canty and Cornette, ESPN Radio. Appreciate you hanging out with us.